welcome to episode 36 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. This is the first session of our new season. And uh, I am Jane Jezrawi, co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And with me, as always, is... Mark Morell, other co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And as I was telling you just before we started recording... The words new season always make me remember something from my childhood, and this will date me. But I used to be a big fan of Donnie and Marie, as in Donnie and Marie Osmond. Who? Oh, How you do mean you... the lady from the Weight Watchers commercial? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, when they were young, when they were, you know, in the 70s, they were pretty young and had a TV show, mm-hmm. and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it, and my friends loved it too. So we would pretend that we were them, and um, do all the you know a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, and all that stuff. And the album that I got was called New Season. Ah, creatively so, titled. Yeah, well, it was basically their first album after. Well, it was an album right after the first season of their show. So I but guess the they had of a, that title is you could use it every year, <laughs> or four times a year if yes. you want. Yeah. I don't know. In hot countries, I'm not sure. I can't remember. When I lived in a hot country, I can't remember if we really talked about seasons as much as we do in cold countries. No. No, you don't have them. No, I know you don't have them. Well, but they have the rainy season. Yeah. You get two inches of rain in three months, and then that's it. Yeah, I don't think anybody ever talked about it. No, I remember not- the forecast when I was in Dubai. The weather forecasts were basically... Um, what is the, uh, the cresting of the uh, water in the, the Gulf? Is it eight inches or 10 inches? Um, what is the wind direction and amount? And that's basically it. The temperature is the same stinking hot every day. So they would say the temperature, but it's kind of a throwaway because it nearly doesn't Because it's change. something in the thirties or forties and yeah, that's Celsius. it. Yeah. I don't remember ever even knowing the temperature when I lived in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, we both lived in the United Arab Emirates at different times, which mm-hmm. is part of the, you know, which is one of the things that we talked about when we first met. Mm-hmm. So it was. I also remember that nobody bothered really looking at the sky to see what was happening. Like that's something that you do here yeah. in the West, or in, you know, and maybe in the well, I guess even in more in the, temperate climates, even in, in the southern parts of well, in the southern parts of the U.S. Now they're sure looking at the the sky, but. If you're in the desert, you don't really look at the sky that much because there's never anything up there to see. Yeah, it's pretty much always the same. And you don't realize how much the sky tells you mm-hmm. when you look at it. I mean, you just grow up looking at the sky and looking at the clouds going, hmm, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rain or it's not going to rain. I mean, I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. You just walk outside and you gauge the weather because you have to mm-hmm. when you're in Canada where it's kind of, well, it was started out nice and now it's raining. So yeah. it's, uh, it, it's an interesting cultural difference. Just, you know, the n- number of words you have for different kinds of weather <laughs> really depend on how many different variations of weather that you get and what that weather is. So that whole Inuit, uh, million words for snow and ice and cold mm-hmm. and we have a million words to describe our weather yeah we have Man, a million words for snow and ice and cold and most of them are curse words <laughs> look at us we're talking about the weather yeah oh that's a thrilling <laughs> day here on pbs <laughs> okay well let's talk about the summer since we have been off for or we have been off our podcast for a, a few months mm-hmm. 
while we try to recharge our batteries and regain our sanity, take a little bit of time off. And even though we didn't get a ton of time actually on vacation, we did get some downtime and got to focus on some different things, which is a bit of a recharge. So that helps. So I thought we would uh, spend much of today sort of recapping what we've been up to and then talk a little bit about what's coming up. We've got a few exciting things coming up, but uh, uh, over the summer, what were you up to? What was your big excitement in the summer? I don't know if you'd call it excitement, but Weights and Dimensions has Uh, been the over... Mentioned on podcasts once or twice in the or past. Or 50 times. But it's finally done. Um, It's not quite done, but the writing is done. The research is done. The, the writing is done. is done. Yeah, it's been reviewed by a number of different people. And my greatest realization was that, indeed, the American version and the Canadian version are completely different. They're yes. not even the same number of topics. It's hmm. It's not even close to being a... It's like we're talking about two different kinds of vehicles and it's just completely Even different. Even though the tractors and trailers are the same and they both cross the border yeah. from one place into another, the course is totally different. Yeah, because Canadians regulate weight in kilograms and the U.S. regulates in pounds hmm. and the tra- the vehicles are sold in pounds. So you have to convert <laughs> everything immediately. So I didn't realize, I mean, the, the, the U.S. version was, you know, it was hard. And, and I realized it today. And part of the reason that it's really hard for me is that I am really bad at weighing and measuring. <laughs> Unless it's baking, I can, you know, I can manage, well, not weighing, but measuring. I can, but even then, you know what I'm like when mm-hmm. I'm measuring. It's oh, like, yeah. that looks about right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I would agree with that statement that you're good at weighing and measuring things when it comes to baking. We have okay. many disputes about what actually is should be a, a, a tablespoon, tablespoon. it should be exactly flat across the top the way I do it, or it's just something in the vicinity of a tablespoon the way you do it. Yeah. But anyway. But yes. okay, so anyway. It's not a strong point. It me. is not my strong suit. And that is not to say that I'm bad at math. Um, I'm actually quite good at math. I haven't been in practice. My pra- like so I'm pretty r- rough right now, but I theoretical math, I'm very good at. I can I can envision it, I can understand it. But any time that you are trying to use measurements and then apply those measurements, like I know how to weigh something I know how to tell if something is heavier I know how to convert weight from pounds to kilograms like I know how to use those numbers but taking a whole bunch of weights and dimensions and putting them into a theoretical problem that a driver might have (laughs) (laughs) oh my god my brain my teeth because apparently I grind my teeth so Mark has told me I grind my teeth when I'm working on difficult concepts so it's been a so this course was a one-toother. It's a one-tooth course, yeah. Jay Only one root canal one tooth, has uh, has been sacrificed, yeah. yeah. That's pretty substantial. But It was, it was hard. I mean, the in the Canadian version, it was really hard. I take my hat off to people who have to do this on a daily basis. I mean, they might find it easy because I said to somebody, you know, this is really hard. And he's like, really? <laughs> well, if you have 20 baby. years of dealing with it. And But at the same time, a lot of people that are dealing with it every day only deal with a subset of it. Yeah. They deal with the part of it that they understand and they, or the part they need to deal with. And 
They take care of that. They know it backwards and forwards, but that's not what you're doing. You've got to cover all of it. Right. I'm So I'm covering every single type of vehicle you could have, different numbers of axles, different kinds of trailers. It's just every, you have to know everything. And in Canada, they do everything in terms of classes or categories of vehicles. So tractor with a trailer, Tritum tractor with a trailer that may or may not have one, two or three axles on any other part of it. Um, You know, B train, A train, whatever. But it's just trying to make sure that you have organized all that information into chunks that are easy to understand and that you've got everything that applies to the same thing is together and the things that are different are all, you know, accounted for. And the problem, one of the problems that I found was that the memo of understanding that's used to do the federal regulations for weights and dimensions in Canada doesn't organize a document in any normal way. It's basically the order of the year that they added things. (laughs) So you have to read it quite a few times to actually catch everything. You basically need to make your own version of it that lumps things together by category. Um, kind of. I didn't do that. I just, it's not a very long document, so mm. I can do it in my head. Um, but it was difficult. Like, I had to read it over and over again just to make sure I'd caught everything. And because it's very repetitive and it's quite, like, as it talks about, um, it'll talk about something like, um, aerodynamic devices, but it'll mention it four times in the document for every year that it was talked about. <laughs> yeah. So, so you get a, you get a good timeline of you know how it evolved, but oh, and here's the thing that Chrissy and I have been working on is how you write pounds. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> so in metric, and this is how we are superior to the United States. Um, there is standards from how you write metric how you write the symbols and the short forms and all of that. You, there are correct and incorrect versions, but there are no standards for imperial measurements. Hmm. So you can write them however you want. Well, for weight. No. For distance, like for miles. No, it, it's it, miles. It's, it's the always same. MI, but it may or may not have a period. So that's. Well, exactly. That's the standardizations that you want to have when you are writing something that you want to have, and this is a really subtle thing that we do in our courses, is that we try to have consistency. For sure. So if we're writing meters in one place or, you know, you have, and it may not be all through our courses, but we try to do it within a course for sure. And that's and that can be really difficult. Like I just had a review that was just looking at that. Like how did we write all the numbers? Are we writing the numbers consistently? And wow. you'd think that this is such a little thing and, and why would you bother? But it makes the whole product that much more polished, right? It makes it easier for people to digest it because they're not having to do any of that kind of translation in their head. Yeah. Um, so you remove some of those obstacles for them. It's like looking at the sky. There's a lot of thought. There's a lot of energy that is used up when you look at the sky because you're thinking, where's the wind? Is it windy? Is it sunny? Will it be sunny later? Is it going to rain? Is it going to rain later? Should I take a jacket? 
Excellent way of tying those two together. Exactly. I had a plan. Yes. All <laughs> from the beginning. This was entirely his I strategy. had a plan. Yes. So uh, Weights and Dimensions was a, a project that was going on for quite a while and is uh, finally at the point where the research and writing is done. It's uh, been reviewed uh, by some outside people. So now we've got uh, to just to do edits and final assembly. Mm-hmm. And I think you already have sent the U.S. one off to voice. Yes. Or it's even coming back from voice. It is. It's in the process of coming back from voice. So, all right. So at long last, we will have that thing, that giant monkey monkey off off my back. But you had another fun adventure uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, related to the defensive driving rebuild and the... uh, Roundabouts. Yes, the fun world of roundabouts. Holy man. How do you drive a tractor trailer around a roundabout? I don't know. Crickets. <laughs> so, and the issue here was that you were getting conflicting information from your different sources, right? And this happens every once in a while is that you get one source and sometimes I catch it before a reviewer catches it and I'll do the, I'll go through this process first. Sometimes a reviewer catches it and then, you know, most of the time if a reviewer catches it, I assume that, oh yeah, okay, you're right. But this one was a was tricky because there aren't I'm used to now I don't drive a truck around a roundabout, but I have driven around roundabouts a lot in my life because I lived in England for a while. And when I lived in Abu Dhabi back in the day, um, they that's all they had was roundabouts. Everything was rounded. There were no traffic lights. So I'm I was quite used to them. So I know I have a pretty good sense of how you should go around them and how to travel through them, which is basically in a regular car or a passenger vehicle, you get in the the lane you get into in a two lane roundabout will depend on where you want to get out. So if you want to do a left turn, you're going to go in the left lane of the roundabout. If you want to do a right turn, you get in the right lane. And then you move lanes depending on where you want to get out. And in a two lane roundabout, it's usually big enough that you have room to get into the other lane. So that's generally what I thought. But the lane, so we did an animation or we had an animation created for the course that was based on that. And actually it was also based on some research that we did that showed that a a tractor trailer going around a roundabout using the truck apron, which I didn't know existed, but is apparently a thing, using the truck apron and to make a U-turn using the left turn lane. And then we had a one this of... This was posted on some like government website or something. Yeah, it was a Alberta, I think. Okay. Yeah, so it was Alberta or it was something at West. It might have been BC, but it was a tractor trailer. So we assumed that because it was a government mm-hmm. thing that that was correct. So we had the animation based on that, that we did based on what it was doing. So use the truck apron, you, you know, don't, um, and use the the left lane, stay in the left. Yeah. Yeah. Stay in the left lane, use the truck apron, blah, blah, blah. And so then we sent it to one of our reviewers who came back and said, no, you don't do it that way. And I'm like, Really? <laughs> I think you do. I think that's because this is where we got this and this is what we did. And we actually, I actually went to um, the Melts uh, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the content for that. Yeah, that handbook that said the same thing mm-hmm. is you get in the lane based on where you want to exit, mm-hmm. and that you may have to use the truck apron or straddle the lanes or whatever. And but what the reviewer who from um, a lovely gentleman who may be listening, so I'm going to give a shout out to uh, John Farquhar, uh, who did me a tremendous favor by doing this, who said, no, that's not how they're teaching it at the schools. And so we're like, oh, my God, how's, okay, so how are you doing it? And so he gave us his answer. And then I also went to um, a couple of trucking companies, Herb Transport and Challenger, um, who have a roundabout, a two-lane roundabout that is close to them, and they have to deal with it all the time. And I believe it's in Cambridge. And so they told me what the cities tell them, which is basically you don't use the apron. You actually straddle the two lanes of a two-lane roundabout, Hmm. and you block traffic while you're in the roundabout so that you can keep yourself clear. Hmm. And... What's really interesting about the whole thing was, and that's kind of how we ended up with it, and that's what our animation is going to show. But what was interesting is there's really no rule, like mm-hmm. for a truck or a tractor well, trailer. It's not documented anywhere specifically for a tractor trailer that's actually um, supported by kind of the safety best practices. Well, nobody really talks about it. Yeah. And well, you found the- that one. I mean, there's that one you said for Alberta or whatever mm-hmm. that was actually wrong. Because well, and the, the Ministry lane. of Ontario says the same, like the MELT documentation, which is based on Ministry of Transport in Ontario, is saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Is saying that, yeah, you just go use the truck apron. And truck aprons are good um, for extra space. And the trucking industry wanted those. That's right. fine. But that's not the best thing to do. And one of the primary reasons for that, that I was told by... Uh, John and um, a couple of other people was that you got to protect your right. You got to protect your right, your blind side, which is the right side. And because people will try and pass you and come up next to you. And so you do have to block them so that they're not trying to whip around you in a roundabout, Mm. which is like, oh, of course, this makes sense. And I actually sent sent a message on Twitter to the OPP officer, Carrie Schmidt, Mm -hmm. to you know what do you what how do you how are you supposed to do it i never even got a response (laughs) the cops don't have an answer either no it's very very bizarre so the schools are teaching it with you know straddle the lanes um two of our best fleets who are saying the same thing insurance is saying because uh john works for the guarantee who's a partner of ours and also um you know, he's saying that's the best practice. Okay, I'm going to go with the best practice of the industry for sure. But that is one of the things well, that as is, long as you can support it. Yeah. And it made, that was one of the challenges is that when we had these few bits of information about people doing it differently, it wasn't, we didn't have that supporting documentation or supporting sort of um, reasoning um, in the beginning. So it's like, well, why are they teaching that um, when all these other sites are showing the opposite? So you have to dig through all of that. And that is the the fun of doing your job and the stuff that you, your team gets to do is all of these conflicting sources of information. You've got to pick something and put it right down the middle. Another example of that uh, is the California sexual harassment rules. <laughs> so 
we have companies, we have customers who have uh, who need to follow these rules. So they are asking us for a sexual harassment course specific to the California rules, which are quite stringent, more stringent than any I've ever seen. Um, which is typical for California. Yeah, they're always the you know really strict on everything. So um, so we're doing the work on it and. We do some research and we find that, um, in fact, it's not coming into force in 2020. It's now coming into force in 2021. So it's not that you, it's not even that you have to do research, it's that you have to keep doing research. Because <laughs> it changes. It changes. It changed for, and there's a similar rule that happened in with the federal Federal rules, I can't remember the bill number, but the rules that came into place about time off and uh, the industry in Canada was having issues with giving notice for time off and oh, things like the, that. The, the federal... The labor thing that mm-hmm. came in September 1. It doesn't... They didn't... They put the law together and didn't realize what the impacts were going to be. And so everybody kind of says, whoa, you can't do that Mm -hmm. because you're going to completely create chaos. And I think that's what happened with the California rule is that a whole bunch of people went, I can't do that. I don't have it. I'm a company of five people. How do I have an HR expert with two years of experience in this area teach, be available to answer questions and teach this course? Mm Because that's one of the, the things that they had in place. And we don't have time. Mm-hmm. So not only are they pushing it back to 2021 and they don't really inform people. So I asked uh, uh, some, one of our customers in that has a terminal in California and she didn't know mm-hmm. that this was happening. But not only that, but um, they don't really they don't really tell you and they don't really. Uh, oh, the other thing that they're doing is now they're coming out with their own training. So I don't want to do training until they've done theirs because who knows, who knows what is going to change into. Yeah, but it could also be like the FISMA thing where they say they're going to do training, but by the time they get it out, it's six months after the rules are in force. So yeah, we're just going to keep an eye on it. There's really, that's the only thing you can do is sort of say, okay, well, the rules seem like they're pretty, you know, this seems solid. Yeah, we'll (laughs) and we've had. And we've also had the same thing with hours of service, you know, when that chain, when the two night requirement happened. Oh, yeah. And so I diligently went and fixed the course to have all of that in there. And then, mm-hmm. oh, no, yeah, surprise. We'll <laughs> so it's it's an ongoing mission. It's been a lovely summer of research and uh, exploration. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, I've been going through actually a little bit of that talking of animations uh, for the defensive driving overhaul. I've been working with our animator on that because he's right now working on the animation for S backing, which <laughs> which is the thing uh, that animators can't do. Is the most difficult thing for animators to do because it's sort of simple in concept, but the reality of trying to animate all of those different pieces and making them move the right way is really hard. They always end up doing something that basically violates the laws of physics. And so I look at it and it's like, no, you've got the tires going sideways. They can't go sideways. You know, they only roll back and forth. Uh, anything that happens has to happen as a result of turning the wheels right at the very front. So, you know, you've got all of this snaking around that has to happen, but it has to be 
supported by what actually happens in the world and sort of real laws of physics. And it's very difficult for animators to, um, to make it work and make it look the way it really does. Even very few of them have driven a truck. Well, and actually this, uh, animator that we're using now, he had, he started with a simulation engine for vehicles that would simulate the movement. And you, you basically, um, you stipulate how far the the wheels can turn in each direction and then you turn the wheels and it would simulate the motion based on that. And it even had, I guess, a plug-in for vehicle with trailer, which is the different articulated movement. Still wasn't quite right. So I was looking at it the other day with him and it's like, ah, you got way too much trailer movement for how much you've turned the tires. So you need to change that. You got to turn your wheels a whole lot more if you're going to get this trailer moving the way you have it here. So he's gone back to work on it and it's going to look great when it's done because all the rest of the animation looks really nice. And oh he's got, yeah, he's, he's got some, some really nice, nice camera stuff. moves and all of that stuff in there. But uh, we can't really use that until we get the articulation properly. So um, right now his next version is actually going to strip all that down and just be a straight top down view uh, with the truck on like a white um, platform so that we can see how much of the wheels turned how much did the trailer turn as a result and when did it happen? All of that kind of and stuff. And can I just say, I appreciate it very much that you're taking this on because I cannot see it. Oh, I, I, I cannot see it. It drives me crazy when I, I see it and it doesn't look right. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. spoiled by Pixar. So I expect every <laughs> animation, every 3D animation I get should look like a Pixar movie. Yeah, but it takes them forever to do it as well. And apparently, if you know anything about the history of Pixar, they are constantly trashing things and trying to make them perfect, which takes a lot of revisions and sometimes completely, you know, gutting a story that they'd already thought of. True. Yes. And I'm okay taking some time uh, to, to animate things and have it look right if it looks good when it's done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of headache. Yeah. And there's only so much detail I can keep in my head. <laughs> if I'm dealing with pounds and kilograms and inches and feet and meters and... And axle position. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, All don't, don't, don't put stuff on my brain. I can't. <laughs> I can't. There's only so much. Brain only changes so fast. So is, did I do anything else this summer? That was mostly it. Yeah, so it's defensive Those driving, issues, sexual harassment, projects. safety. Oh, we're doing a, a federal safety committee uh, course as well that is nearly, uh, it's nearly ready to, for voice. And uh, that's three topics. Mm. We're going to have two topics that can be done standalone and a third topic that is kind of optional. So uh, cool. that'll be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we have also... Dun, 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 just hired a translator, so our nice. French content should mm-hmm. be coming fast and furious. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we have a bunch of translation stuff that happened over the summer too. We French did. Uh, it's not all. It's not, not all yet. ready. Yeah. So we have both the cargo securement courses are going to be available in both French and Spanish shortly, uh, hopefully before the next podcast. Because really, all they're waiting on is my <laughs> approval. <laughs> there is your. There's your objective. Get yeah, it out. Get so it the out. next podcast can talk about how it's done. I've got, a, I've got beacons of red that are showing every time I look at my, uh, at my Trello board, which mm. is where I'm, you know, sort of 
where we house our course development schedule and try and keep in communication with customer support so they know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And those two courses are glowing red at the moment. (laughs) So you'll get there. Oh yeah. Like once. Yeah. If only you didn't have distractions, like having to do a podcast. I know. And things like, you know, Oh, best fleets. Oh Oh. yes. Which (laughs) is another segue. segue. That was completely unplanned, but you wouldn't know that because I'm so talented at segways. <laughs> I was thinking about that. When you're talking about things that hurt your brain, mm-hmm. um, I've been feeling that as well because uh, we launched the uh, what is now the 12th edition of the Best Fleets mm-hmm. to Drive For program open for nominations this week, um, Tuesday, and nominations are coming in. So once the opening is done, there isn't that much work for us to do for a couple months until the nomination period closes and we start doing all the interviews and stuff. But we have got a presentation to do next week, um, early next week, that is basically a recap of last year's summary, your last year's results and all of that. Um, We're doing a a presentation as part of a half-day seminar with one of our partners and we had done something similar in May. We went out to Winnipeg and did a half-day uh, talk about all of the things that we found in the program and the things that people were doing that was very cool. So this is kind of like a, a scaled-down version of that. However, I find it very jarring. I don't know what you uh, feel about it, but for me, when we come to sort of the June time period, we start winding down all of the Best Fleet's work. You know, we've done the award stuff. We've given out all of the uh, um, all the reports for people that ordered them and consultations are done. We've kind of done our cycle of a couple months of doing speeches and you do radio shows to talk about it. And sort of all that sort of wraps up. And then over the summer, it's fairly quiet. And then in the fall, you kind of start it up again, but you're starting it up again, looking forward to that coming year. So whenever there's a situation where it's the fall and I've kind of got to go back and reopen all of last year's stuff, it's a very weird feeling for me. Um, I kind of feel like I'm going, I feel like I'm sort of going back in time, um, you know, to open something that's been closed. It's kind of, I find it very jarring. It's like, Oh yeah, all of this stuff kind of feels like going back to school after you've graduated you know, oh yeah! Back into classes, like oh yeah, I remember. Or you this. didn't get that one last credit, and you yeah. have to go back, and you didn't expect to. Well, I'm unfamiliar with that experience, but well, I'm not, I don't I haven't had it either, but I can imagine. Yes, or even just walking in, you know, you go to visit, or you you go back yeah. for homecoming or something, and it's kind of that weird experience. So I'm kind of going through that right now as I'm prepping for this presentation, looking at the slides and figuring out, or you know, all of the. All of these slides, which I put together, that just have one picture on them. And maybe it's not even a picture. It might be some sort of large icon or something that's a visual representation of the content. And I've got to try and figure out what the heck was I planning to say for this? I have this nice picture here, but why? (laughs) I guess uh, that's the uh, advantage of me doing so many webinars and presentations because I do more of them than you do now. And, and talking about Best Fleets on the radio and things like that. It's just that it just feels like I just do Best Fleets all the time. It's like, <laughs> okay, what do you want to know? I can yeah. talk about this. I can talk about this. It's like a menu. Yeah, you were doing it through the summer. You did radio oh, yeah. shows and stuff. Well, that's the too. other part of the summer was talking about because I did, I did a webinar in June. Hmm. I may have done a 
Oh, you did your social media webinar in June that featured some best fleets. Yeah. And so I think that was it. I think that after that, I was like, I can't do anything anymore. I have <laughs> yeah, to done. actually work on some courses for my business. <laughs> so, um, But I did. I talked about best fleets almost constantly. So I, it, I didn't have as much of a break as, as you did. I really only had maybe, yeah, two months break. But for me, that's not... Well, you did a radio show in August talking about it. I did a radio show earlier this week. Oh, yeah. Because I talked to Stan from well, Trucker Radio. But that's part of the opening and you're looking forward to this year. Yeah, I so. just lump it all together. I don't have a, you know, that's last year and this is this year. Yes, I, I, I don't, have to put it's everything in, my in a head. box. <laughs> you're very good at that. Tape a label on it. <laughs> this is... Last year's best fleet. So you're ripping the masking uh, tape off and it's very unsettling. I'm unsettling. The box <laughs> and it's like, what am I doing here? Well, um, we also, yeah, so we have. But we only have an hour and a half to talk um, between the two of us. So we have 45 minutes each. And you could just talk and so much. As we're demonstrating on these podcasts, we can talk for 45 minutes each that without nothing. even thinking about it. <laughs> we just throw the word best fleet in there every couple of sentences and it's relevant. <laughs> So this might be what the presentation is on Tuesday. It might be. Do you think it'll be entertaining? It'll be entertaining. Informative. Yeah, eh. yeah educational eh. and useful. Yeah. We'll try and make it. Now, that's why the slides are there is to, <laughs> to wrench us back into reality. Or give people something to look at when we're off rambling yeah. about something else or arguing with each other on stage. <laughs> do you find that when you get, sometimes you get to a certain point where you're just being wrenched from event not not even event to event but even through the days just you're being pulled from thing to thing and you think oh thank god i planned for this because i you're just you're just kind of going okay i'm doing this now and then you do it and you're like okay what's next okay this now yeah so it, it that's what kind of what happens with best fleets and this is a particularly busy busy time for us mm-hmm. getting yeah. ready for it and all of the transitional stuff. So I have to make sure that I have all my course stuff done and then move on to doing interviews and how mm-hmm. are we going to do that? And so well, I've just been in like marketing hell for the last, I don't know, three weeks. And I probably got another two weeks of it left because October is just flooded with events for us. Um, we got like four or five. Yeah, we have a lot. Plus we had uh, GATS at the end of August so as we were doing the sort of final prep for that, um, and I didn't even go to that, we sent other people to that show. Um, but, uh, as we were doing the final prep and making sure everybody has what they need for that, I'm still getting stuff together for the next batch of shows because I think, well, I, I know that we have four different events in October that we are attending and exhibiting at, um, Plus, and then there's surface at least, transportation. Yeah, there's one that you're just speaking at. Well, that's an easy one. You're just going and speaking. We don't have to do a lot for that. Hopefully, but, all I do is answer questions. I yeah. can do that. <laughs> but these other ones, they're shows that we're traveling to. Um, so we've got like the um, the Women in Trucking Conference, the ATA uh, Convention in San Diego. We've got the, uh, what is it, North American Commercial Vehicle Show, NACV in Atlanta. And all of these things where we need to have like, you know, not just have a booth, but we need to actually get there and have a place to stay. And so I've got like this giant uh, wall of whiteboard that is 
a huge uh, set of checklists for each one of these shows so I can check off everything as it gets done. So well, you have to picture Mark's office. So he's redone it this summer. This was my big summer project. Yes, because yes. he had some major office envy no, when he saw... I was publicly shamed at our last <laughs> staff <laughs> meeting because... Jane did this icebreaker where everybody shows a picture of their home office and then you have to try and figure out whose is whose. Um, and mine was by far the most horrible. Well, you hadn't done it. You hadn't even painted the walls. I don't think the walls had been painted in that yeah, room since... 20-year-old pink carpet. I don't think the walls had walls. ever been painted. No. So you were no. like, that was like the base paint. Yeah. So he so now has... And if you know anything about Mark, he is a musician and apparently he's obsessed with foam that you <laughs> put on obsessed with foam that sound um i'm obsessed with nice sounding rooms he's obsessed with foam that you put on the walls to make a nice sounding room it's insane so, i'm Jane surrounded actually, by foam yeah, right now sitting in a makeshift vocal booth uh, that's made with foam <laughs> proper foam a sound absorption foam exactly it's sound absorption foam but i can see in mark's studio there's like and there's different versions of this foam. So I didn't oh, yeah. know this, not being a, a neophyte in this whole area. But there's like, actually, no, you made those those sound barriers uh, with styrofoam and then you spray painted them. Uh, well, you're referring to the diffusers, which are totally different. Oh. They don't absorb sound, which the foam does. They look like foam to me. No, these are um, wooden diffusers that are okay. sort of like jagged. Almost looks like some bizarre, mediocre artwork. I don't know why you don't um, have them in your office, but like that's uh, the only thing that's missing. Because I don't want to diffuse the sound; I want to absorb it. Okay, Diffusers okay. Just scattered around. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm waving my hand at him now to say, "Please stop talking." You're sorry, you mentioned it <laughs> I already. Did. So anyway, so he's got all this foam in his room because there's an echo because we have hardwood floors up there, and we have to try and keep the echo down. But so he's got all this foam, but he he not only has this, but he has a full 12 month calendar on one wall, a huge yeah. calendar, yeah. three feet by eight feet and uh, erasable whiteboard calendar and for the whole year. On the other wall, he has a painted on whiteboard because so you get this cool whiteboard paint so you can actually paint um, a whiteboard that you can Which use. Is an idea I got from Bison Transport. It's they a, have it's that in their great rooms. idea. Yeah. And so he has this huge whiteboard on the other wall, and that's where he's got all of his planning for the trade shows. But I had to diss you for the oh, the, yeah. the foam because I'm like, why do you you just painted this room? It looks great, and now you're just putting up so foam. Yeah, after the uh, public shaming at the staff meeting, I'm going to publicly I, shame you for the foam. I'm not embarrassed by that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel no shame. <laughs> so I tossed all of the furniture. Uh, painted the room. We ripped out the carpet and put hardwood, uh, which we needed to do in that part of the house anyway. Um, we got hardwood floors, painted the room, got all the new furniture and got rid of the junk. So very happy with it. But the downside of it is now I've got these walls that have got a whiteboard and stuff on them. So I've got these long, flat, hard walls and flat hardwood floor. And the room was echoey as anything. And it sounds yeah, it's awful. it's really bad. Even when I'm talking to somebody like on Skype or um, through our phone system with a headset on, it still sounded awful. And I can't have that, especially like if I'm doing webinars and, you know, actual calls that I care about. I have to have it sounding decent. So I didn't want to go and get a carpet because I couldn't. I may still get a carpet, but I'd, I like the floor and I didn't see how a carpet would fit in there without sort of wrecking everything else. 
But I know that if I go and I get some acoustic foam, I can treat the wall in a particular way and uh, kill that echo and have a little bit of uh, a design element to it as well. So I have my giant three by eight foot whiteboard calendar surrounded by this acoustic foam. Um, I'm going to post pictures on the Carrier's Edge Twitter account on this. And then I'm going to, so I'll post when we, when we do, when we post the podcast, I'm posting pictures of this because, because you have to see it. I'm not quite done yet. Okay. Well, when So I've got like half of the tiles up, but part of it is you have to put some of the tiles up and then you have to listen to where the echo is coming from. And this is the other thing. The right spot. This is the other thing that's really fun about uh, cohabitating with Mark is the incessant clapping to see how bad the echo is. See in this room, it's great. Yeah, because you got your diffusers. That's what they go. are. I have ab- both absorbers and diffusers in my studio control room, which is where I'm recording from. Okay, now. you just sound like a nerd. <laughs> I own it. Good. <laughs> if you I'm ever, no if you ever want to talk to Mark about sound absorption, please just don't invite me. That's not. Even, that's not even the worst part of it. <laughs> <laughs> There's more that you don't share well, with once me. Once you have the good room. Then you've got to have the equipment for recording, and then you've got to have good instruments in there to play. Oh, yes. Which takes oh. me back to my endless quest for buying more drums. And the endless qu- quest for a good microphone. You oh, were doing yes. that for a while. There was a good few years, yeah. Sarah, where you were trying to find a good microphone. Oh, I and still And then the, the, you know, good recording of your drums. Oh, my Lord. Yes, that's my longtime life goal Obsession. is to actually get a decent recording. It hasn't happened playing. yet. Yeah. All of the other recordings that I have that are passable... I'm not really that happy with them. So, yeah, that's the unfortunate part. Nothing that you record ever sounds like what you actually sound like. I mean, I listen to you all the time. And I've never heard a recording that sounds remotely like what you sound like. So, oh no, you don't like that. What? Do I sound better than the recording? Um, I just hear the toms a lot. (laughs) She only hears part of it. She's studiously tuning it out anyway. Well, I've lived with this for 22 years. Is that how long? Something like that. Yeah. So, you know, we all, everyone who lives in this house knows what your drums sound like. So I don't really pay much attention anymore. Hmm. It's just like background noise. Yeah. That's what every musician aspires to. No, sometimes I listen to it. Sometimes I recognize the songs that you're playing, which is really kind of funny when you recognize a song from the, just the drum part. Well, that's, and it normally that's it's, a good sign. Normally it's Tom Sawyer by Rush <laughs> that I recognize. Which I almost never play. I know, but every time you do, I'm like, oh, it's Tom Sawyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or you play a lot of songs and I just hear Tom Sawyer. I don't <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what it is. Probably, there's like five or six songs that are very um, tricky parts that people work on that are all roughly the same tempo as that. Oh. And similar parts. So it may not be that at all. And I think Cheryl Crow... I almost never no? play Cheryl Crow stuff. Okay. But again, there's a lot of stuff. It's a drum like part. That. It's really hard to tell a song from a drum part. Yeah. We're not destined for the spotlight. We're the ones sitting yeah. at the back of the stage in the dark. That's right. Yeah. That's where you belong. But we're the coolest. With your friggin' foam. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So moving on. Do we have something else to talk about? I don't even know what we were talking about. We were talking about... Oh, you were talking oh, about your board. office, your summer project, but then I, my your big, big board, calendar. Yes, my big whiteboard of marketing activities. So I'll put in a plug for some of the events that are coming up. The Women in Trucking, Women in Trucking Accelerate Conference 
which is the end of September and into the first week of October. We also have the Fleet Safety Council Conference um, in Ontario, which is uh, um, one day right uh, just after the WIT conference. And then the day after Fleet Safety Council, we go to San Diego for the ATA event, which amazes me that they always manage to book the Fleet Safety Council conference the day before the ATA event. I don't know how they do it, but they do. Um, and then uh, end of the month, end of October, the NACV in Atlanta, which we were just sort of working on booth designs. And I think we have a very cool idea for what we're going to do at our booth. And I'm not going to say much more about that now. Dum, dum, uh, dum. Well, let's see if be. we can get it together. Yes. And then we'll hype it um, in advance. But that's uh, I'm really curious about that show because it's not like a, a regular truck show like GATS or Truck World or Mid-America where you've got thousands of drivers coming through. Um, really, you have to be a basically a fleet operator, no vendors that aren't exhibitors allowed. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It could be it, very boring and endlessly long four days of nothingness, or it could be amazing. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, in between now and then... Um, I don't even know what we're doing. We've got more coursework that's coming. We've got uh, um, the Best Fleet stuff that's starting to ramp up. The Best Fleet seminar that we're doing next Tuesday. Yep. You've got a radio show um, coming up at the end of the month, I think. No, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. With Dave Nemo, probably. And then I have, yeah, it's Dave Nemo's show that I'll probably be on. And then Mark Willis's show um, also... uh, serious uh will be in november i think mm-hmm. so i will probably have fleets on with me at that point okay so that's what mark willis um just as a plug for his show when when i do talk to him we usually have well he likes to bring on some of the best fleets so i'm trying to what i'm trying to do is when people ask for um news stories or they're asking us for you know, examples of what fleets do. We're trying to utilize the best fleets in those kinds of stories mm-hmm. and, and um, have their have them share their story, stories directly. Cool. So, yeah, and as we get more opportunities, it's great to give the fleets more opportunities as well. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that will probably wrap us up. Okay. That sounds, sounds like a plan. I can go back to Plates and Dimensions. <laughs> and I can go back to my marketing board. And your and your foam. And my foam. Yeah. Yes. Well, um, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Have a great day.